You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. untangled and make sure your tv is turned to channel three because it's time for fanfight vcr i am fanfight section head lb hunk tears and i'm joined by my co-host fanfight columnist poet and future cowboy hat owner colette errand hi hi did you like that intro for you? <laughs> i did i was trying not to laugh over it <laughs> i'm like very excited for you to own a cowboy hat i'm very excited to eventually own one uh, I, I'm, I guess this is kind of sneaky of me to just, you know, but yeah, I really, really support you. I think everybody should own a cowboy hat. If you're listening to this and you don't own a cowboy hat, like you don't even need to wear it out. You could just wear it at home for secret cowboy time. Which is what I would be doing. Really? You wouldn't wear it out? Um, I mean, well, right now, I, where am I going to wear it to? I don't know. The You could wear it with a mask. You could do oh, like there a... We go. Yeah, like an Orville Peck thing. It would be a good look. Hmm. I need You're to right. get a cowboy hat. Actually, I do have a cowboy hat in Animal Crossing. I'm going to try out a cowboy hat mask combo look and see how it works. Oh. Yeah. <sighs> I do not own a cowboy hat, but um, I am excited about doing this show with you. I'm uh, excited to be doing it, too. Yeah. Uh, we talked about doing this like in a few different iterations. Like, originally, you picked out the match that we're watching today, or we watched today, uh, which was Terry Funk and Ric Flair in an I Quit match from 1989, uh, to do in, like, uh, an article that we would co-write about it. And then I was lazy and didn't want to write. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing a podcast instead, which is maybe more work intensive. Yeah. I don't know. But I'm psyched that we're, like, we finally watched this thing and can talk about wrestling what is your like history with watching wrestling and watching tapes and taping wrestling um watching wrestling on tape is how i got started watching wrestling um it was just something that like my my babysitter i think when i was like four or five had a bunch of like recorded versions of wrestlemania like wrestlemania 4 with the title tournament oh shit Um, okay so like it was it was really easy for her to just put on a thing that lasted five hours and walk away because like how are you not gonna get into WrestleMania four, WrestleMania five, or six or whatever, um, and it kind of like continued from there where like when I was eventually old enough to like watch wrestling on my own, it was on TV but it was on kind of too late at night, so we had a VCR. Um, and I would record, you know, Monday Nitro, uh, and I would later record, like, Raw while I was watching Nitro so I could watch both of them, because, you know, I wanted to be the coolest person at school who, like, knew all the wrestling. Everyone loves that person. Um, and that was, like, largely my, my main interaction with, like, the whole idea of, of taping wrestling. I never did any kind of tape trading with people 
Um, I didn't get into Japanese wrestling until relatively late. Um, so, like, for me, tape, like, wrestling tapes meant, like, the $30 tapes that were at, like, the back corner of the Sam Goody that had, like, you know, terrible WBF matches from, like, 1993 or, like, every Cactus Jack match from ECW where he got a concussion from a frying pan getting hit to his head. Um, $30? Yeah, they were expensive. They were very That's expensive. Really expensive. Yeah, like, it was, like, one of those things where, like, every time there was, like, a new version of home media, like, uh, the prices initially were clearly for, like, the rental market. Like, for fifty nine right. ninety eight, you can get this terrible movie that you saw in February of last year. But that's, like, if you're a rental store, that makes sense because you'll rent it out a bunch of times. The yeah. price never changed for wrestling. Like, it just stayed $30. That's a um, lot of money. It's a lot of money, yeah. And wrestling DVDs used to cost that much now, too. But now everything costs $9.99 a month. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> do you have yeah. uh, Do you have any tape trading experience? or? I have no tape trading. I mean, I think the closest thing I ever did to tape trading was like... Uh, you know, I would tape a lot of Mystery Science Theater uh, when I was a kid. And, like, you know, I found, like, one other weird kid at school who wanted to watch that. <laughs> and, yeah, and I just, like, gave her a tape, I think, and she gave it back. But, like, I didn't get anything. Like, I was not on... I, I mean, I'm, an, I'm a late-in-life wrestling fan. Right. I was not a wrestling fan as a youth. Um, I think I did watch some wrestling... I watched some Hulk Hogan on tape because... I, we talked about this a little bit on the fan fight podcast where you came on and we talked about wrestling rules mm-hmm. um which is on this feed also um but i had this best friend when i was really little and his mom was obsessed with hulk hogan which is why he had a hulk hogan cardboard cutout in his bedroom that haunted me when i would sleep over um and she was like she loved him and would make my mom and me watch all this hulk hogan stuff and, like, talk my mom's ear off about Hulk Hogan and how he was a real American. Yeah. Um, and she just, like, was in <laughs> love with him. Um, so I, that's, I think, the only wrestling I ever watched on, like, a tape. Uh, what, did, what did being a real American mean when you were, like, young? <laughs> I mean, she didn't tell this to me. She told this to my mom, and then my mom later recounted it to me. <laughs> what um, a weird thing to tell someone's mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were, like, they were friends. She was, oh, my God, she was so fucking weird. Uh, this was, like... Orange County, California in the 1990s. This is before we moved to LA. And she was like the only new agey person my mom met, which was like the closest. So the only not Republican my mom met. So my mm-hmm. mom's only friend. Um, but she was like really into crystals and like glass statues of dolphins. And she had a waterbed and uh, like would go to a channeler. Uh-huh. For stuff. So, like, my mom started going to therapy, and she started going to a channeler. And they, like, would argue about which one was better. My mom was really depressed. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh about that. I'm just, like, thinking of all the different things you could check off on Hulk Hogan fan. And channelers, yeah. crystals, and glass dolphins are not high on the list. <laughs> well, I mean, California, you know, we do it a little different. Right? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, but yeah, uh, they were weird. We stopped. I stopped being friends with that kid because he became very anti-Semitic. Um, <laughs> yeah, Orange County sucks, man. Like, it's bad. Uh, but that was pretty much the only experience I had with wrestling tapes. 
I watched like a bunch of the Cindy Lauper like WWF stuff on mm-hmm. YouTube when YouTube was first a thing, which I think had been transferred from a tape to a DVD oh, to yeah. video. I mean to uh, YouTube videos. But yeah, like I've never wa- I don't I haven't watched wrestling on a VHS since you know those Hogan tapes yeah. in the nineties. I feel I know like... some people like do it like there's like. A new, like, kind of hip thing to do, which is, like, to put your new indie wrestling out on a tape. Yeah. Or there's, like, people who do DVD compilations of stuff. I think, like, the thing the thing for me is, like, I would have been kind of, like, a late, like, on the later end of the spectrum for people who would have ever tape traded. But, like, yeah. YouTube was a huge thing for me when it came time to actually start getting into wrestling that was good. Um, yeah. And, like, a lot of it, like, was both my interest in, like, Japanese wrestling came from YouTube and uh, a lot of my interest in Lucha Libre and a lot of my interest in, like, older stuff, too, because when I was watching it, you know, as a kid, like, the whole idea of, of stuff like what we're about to discuss was that it was, like, old and dumb and, you know, tradition sucked and blah, 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 but... Like, on YouTube, I, and I've never been able to find it since, there was, like, this this music video uh, of this feud um, that was, like, set to, like, Leonard Skinner's, like, Simple Man, <laughs> um, which, like, had, like, the whole thing, like, from Terry Funk returning and Ric Flair telling him that, like, being an over-the-top with Sylvester Stallone doesn't make him the number one contender to something where, like, Terry Funk smothered Ric Flair with, like, a plastic bag and, like, pile-drived him on a table. Like, this whole thing. And, like, meanwhile, there's this, like, ascendant, like, guitar-heavy southern rock song uh, that, like, ends in, like, the violence of this match. Like, it really, really made me appreciate, like, Terry Funk, who was super old and, like, kind of was in this, like, doddering old man phase of his career. And I say that lovingly, but, like, he wasn't being taken seriously by his employers at the time or actually no youtube would have been in the 2000s so yeah he was just an old man who wasn't doing much um and for that matter like rick flair who was someone that i would have seen in like the the later part of his career and like both of those dudes seemed super super great uh and when i finally saw this match on dvd whenever they put out the rick flair dvd i was i was stunned like i i love this match and I, i still very much do and i think that a lot of that has to do with the way tape trading changed into sharing fan videos that people make on YouTube. I'm so, I like need to now go out and try and find this Ric Flair, Terry Funk AMV. Right. Um, that sounds amazing. I'm a big fan of the, like the AMV like style of doing things. And but this, like, I would love to see more of this feud. This is the first I've seen of any of it. Um, mm-hmm. But like the energy in this match makes me want to kind of see like everything in this feud, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I feel like it would lend itself really well to a, an AMV. Um, I loved this, by the way, since we started talking about it, let's just like get into this match. Cause I fucking love this match. All right. I feel a great sense of relief (laughs) that you love this match. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what were you worried about? Uh, just in like just in general, the kind of thing that you worry about when you show something that you like to someone that you like, That's and fair, yeah. you don't know whether or not they're going to enjoy it. Like I, 
like you you called yourself a late in life wrestling fan uh which uh you know hopefully doesn't mean that you're like in your 60s or 70s or something <laughs> no, um, i'm 30 yeah so you're you're totally fine um but like when i when i talk to people who uh just started watching wrestling like within the recent past like five six seven years um you know wrestling doesn't look like this anymore um for better or for worse i i like i like wrestling now and i like wrestling from you know back when i was a literal baby um and for a lot of people i feel like sometimes that's a, a pretty like jarring thing um you know, there's there's the unreality of, like, everyone standing around to catch Will Ospreay on this dumb dive, and then there's the unreality of, oh, an, ato- an inverted atomic drop is, like, one of the deadliest moves in the history of professional wrestling. Of course, <laughs> of course, Terry Funk's dick would hurt that much. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's two different kinds of thing, and if you're not used to this kind of old stuff, it like it has, I think, kind of a learning curve, so I was worried about it. I think they did this. So I like, I, there was a point where I was like, I don't, I'm not quite understood. Like, something's not connecting for me, which is, I don't get why I'm liking this as much as I am mm-hmm. because it doesn't, it didn't have like all of these things that I like have marked in my mind as like, this is what I love about wrestling. Um, which is the kind of wrestling I fell in love with being this like very, you know, in the PWG, like late 2000s early 2010s style which is very not this um but like i don't know the tension and the energy here the amount of like there's no wasted time and there's no like empty moments i guess Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of there's a lot of points where like not a lot's happening supposedly but like so much is actually happening because there's like, I don't, there's just fucking tension. And I, I can't tell if this is quarantine brain <laughs> or if this match is crazy horny. And I'm going to ask you, if um, I, am I just in quarantine and like losing it? That's possible. I haven't I been had that question since... about like Undertaker versus AJ Styles. So I think it might just be quarantine brain. <laughs> 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 okay. Like, Okay, Undertaker versus AJ Styles was a was a, just an episode of Supernatural, which m- many people would tell you is inherently horny. Uh-huh. So I think I think you've got some. I don't know. You got something on your side there. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I I I I wouldn't say that this is a horny match. I know that Ric Flair is. Uh, I don't know what the right word for it is. Like, he's, you know, he's the nature boy. So, like, I guess everything about him has some kind of sense of horniness to it. But um, I do, like, I, I don't know. Like, why why did you find this to be kind of horny outside of quarantine brain? <laughs> <laughs> now I want you to like, explain. I'm, like, so mad that I'm, like, I looked like, like, LB, this time it's the first episode. We're going to try and just keep it relatively chill. Yeah. You know, like. Don't get too crazy. And I'm just like, fuck. I don't know. There's just all this looming and, like, tension. Yeah, they and are all over each other. And this, like, there's, like, a lot of emotion here, I guess. Yeah. And a lot of, like, like the stakes are really high. It's about respect and, like, handshaking. dominance and handshaking. <laughs> this is just telling me more about me than I want to share with the world at large. <laughs> Yeah, is it's it, about the match. Is but it like 
having a Texan call you an egg sucking dog is that a thing? Fuck you. I don't know. I also just think Terry Funk's really hot, so it might be that. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I think it's not even that it's not okay. It's not that it's horny. It's just that it's very tense, Mm -hmm. and that the like the not like the amount of non action happening the like the amount of these like moments where just kind of rolling around being like oh this sucks but i'm not gonna quit (laughs) like translates to my brain which again didn't watch didn't get into wrestling until i was like 26 Mm -hmm. so i watched i started watching porn before i started watching wrestling i think that's the right way to do it (laughs) i don't know if it is because (laughs) now all my reference points to tension and uh and you know these like weird one-on-one physical whatevers are like anyways that's i think why i read it that way (laughs) um (laughs) i'm so sorry uh whatever you know what i i can't deny who i am no i wouldn't that would be thank you thank you for that okay but it's partially quarantine brain just making sure yeah i think it's partially quarantine brain but there is a lot of like emotion and tension and like it this is a lot more about i guess like this weird connection between these two people than it is about like doing a flip and i am you know i'm glad that every match isn't like this now but also i think a lot of matches could learn from this match and a lot of wrestlers of today could like i don't know take some take some pointers of like what you can do other than doing everything at the same time yeah i think that that's like generally speaking true of like a lot of classic older matches like this like it's one of those things where the the general idea of of wrestling for a long time uh, has always been that like any move could be the end of a match like any move um and it's a little bit different in this match since what we're talking about is like an i quit match but like the fact that there are so few moves, like there's the figure four, there's the atomic drop, there's a neck breaker, uh, and there's like a pile driver, and the rest of it's all like eh, a couple like suplexes, and like the rest of it's all like chops and punches and stuff like that. But like every single one of those moves, every single time it happens, um, like has like this huge like meaning and significance to it, like you know, something, something like an atomic drop in, like, a regular match is just, like, whatever, like, you got him out of the corner or whatever, but, like, here it's, like, oh, man, like, this is, this is the moment where, like, everything opens up and, like, Ric Flair is able to take advantage and start working on Terry Funk's leg, and that's when it's all over at that point, like, it's, like, it's pretty wild that, like, something so simple is so meaningful, um, um, so the, the, um, I'm trying to think of, like, what in the match outside of, like, kind of talking about the simple stuff is is worth getting into. And um, I think one of the reasons why this match works as good as it does and one of the reasons why I Quit matches uh, are very difficult to pull off is Terry Funk is really, really good on the microphone in this. Yeah. Like, he is he is nonstop super good. His, his charisma, um, his... Like, the way that he speaks, like, he sounds like a mean bastard the whole time. And everything that he says, like, even if it's just asking the ref to bring him the microphone, uh, it just sounds like serious bastard shit. And I, I love it. Um, one of, like, 
I love John Cena, um, but he's like, he has an I Quit match. Uh, I forget against who and I forget when, but I just remember seeing it. Uh, and like every time the referee would be like, John, John, do you quit? John would be like, no, <laughs> no matter what had just happened. No, no. No. <laughs> and, like, for 30 minutes, that was, like, John Cena's, like, verbal selling of everything that's happening to him. Uh, and it's it's comedy at that point. No. <laughs> like, just, like, what are you doing, yeah. man? Um, and, like, neither neither Funk nor Flair do that at all. Like, they are, like, Terry Funk is, like, in a different universe so far as, like, what he's doing. And, like, Ric Flair... Um, is every bit like the the supreme athlete competitor guy that he built his career on being in the NWA slash WCW. Um, what did you what did you think of kind of like their interplay so far as like the the vocal part of the match is concerned? So I went into this not knowing who the heel was going to be and who the face was going to be. Um, Partially just because I, like, always forget that Terry, like, even the the Terry Funk I've seen, he's been a heel. Just because I like him so much that I've edited it in my brain to make him be the face in my... Also, because a lot, like, a bunch of that, a bunch of it was the, um, you know, the guy who I fucking hate. Because uh, he's gross. Um, he was Jerry the King Lawler. Yeah. Oh, Jerry Lawler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I obviously edited that in my brain because I have a, like a very good sense of right and wrong. Yeah. Um, so I just like switched it, I guess. Cause in that feud, in that feud, yeah. Funk was the heel and Lawler was the face, right? Oh, all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well again, excellent sense of morals. That's not how I watched it at all because <laughs> you know, straight down the middle, very good person. Um, so I <laughs> forgot that Funk was a heel. Um, I went into this like, and I've only seen Ric Flair wrestle as a heel. Yeah. So I, I walk in this. I'm like, okay. And but then yeah, I figured out obviously like pretty quickly that wasn't the case because they're very good at their jobs and made it very clear who was good and who was bad. Um. But in terms, I already forgot what you asked me because I got mad thinking about Jerry Lawler. Oh, um, just, like, kind of oh. what you thought about how the two, like, verbally interacted throughout this match. Oh, it was great. And I loved, like, the, the use of the microphone as, like, an, as, like, not just a prop, but, like, a, like, a thing with stakes. Mm-hmm. Like, almost like a character in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not a bit character, just, like, a made an important prop. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, Terry you know Funk it's important. Great on the, yeah, Terry Funk is great on the mic. I'm trying to... Uh, sorry, I'm look, trying to see what I said about this in my notes, and I'm just seeing, like, wondering if Ric Flair ever got skin cancer because his tan is really intense. I don't think just that he dumb ever shit. did. Good for him. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember what, like, Ric Flair on the mic was like, and that didn't, I guess, stand out to me as much. Not as much. More of his, yeah, his, like, physical selling and, like, just, like, the way he held himself stood yeah. out to me a lot. And that, like, like, that was kind of really all I needed, even more than the fans cheering for him to know, like, okay, here's our good guy here, because he's, he's suffering so nobly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, I would like to see some like some of Terry Funk's movie stuff because I like enjoy him talking. Oh man, have you not seen him in uh, Roadhouse? I haven't seen Roadhouse. What? I know everyone always says that. Oh my it's god! It's the thing. It's like I Roadhouse is a movie. I feel like I should watch with other people. Yeah. Right. You. I mean, you should for sure. Um, so Terry Funk I just actually never talks had a that... lot in that movie. Good. I mean, he's like his promos are incredible in general. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I watched Terry Funk promos before I ever watched a Terry Funk match. Um, so yeah, I just would love to hear him talk. Um, I think what I was, audiobooks. what I was kind of thinking about with that question was like, Ric Flair, like, you know, it's fair to go into this match, like with no prep or anything, wondering who's going to be the face or who's going to be the heel. But like, I love, like, the thing that I love about Ric Flair is that he's still 100% Ric Flair, even though he's the good guy. Like, oh yeah, you know, he gets pissed off when it's his time to start beating up Terry Funk and, like, get on the microphone and is like, now it's your turn to say I quit while he's, like, choking the hell out of Terry Funk. Um, my favorite part of this match, and, like, I don't know how much you know about Ric Flair, um, but for me, like, my favorite part of this was when Terry Funk is on the microphone and he has... Ric Flair set up for a pile driver and he's like, you remember your neck, Ric Flair? Like this thing yes! where he's like, I'm going to break your broken neck like this thing. And then, you know, the pile drivers in this match are pretty weird looking, but I think that that is because like Ric Flair doesn't take a lot of pile drivers um, yeah. because he did break his damn neck once in a, in a plane accident. So, um, he broke like, his neck in a plane accident? Yeah. Or it was, was it his neck or his back? He broke, he like, is one of those dudes who should have never, ever wrestled again. Um, yeah. He was in a serious plane accident, and, like, I forget the exact details, which makes me, like, a, a bad wrestling fan. Um, but, like, one of the wrestlers in there, Johnny Valentine, who I think is Greg the Hammer Valentine's dad, like, was paralyzed and never wrestled again. Sure. Um, I think maybe a couple of other people died. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm also probably very sketchy on that but like the reason why rick flair bumps the way that he does or at least i think that's kind of how it's been explained like you've, you've seen him take like a back body drop and like land on like a side right yeah um that's to avoid landing on his <laughs> on his surgically repaired plane crash injured back jesus um yeah and you know he had like a four hundred thousand year career so yeah um killing it rick flair is um yeah 1975 plane crash jesus yeah um and like you know this is 14 years later um yeah but that's the kind of thing that's like always going to be there it's like the same reason why people are concerned when like daniel bryan careens head first into a barricade or edge walks anywhere i don't know (laughs) um only it was different because in the 80s everyone was just like this dude's an adult he can die as he wishes to so um you really had to know in order for for things like terry funk threatening his neck uh to be super effective but i thought that that was that was really good stuff um, yeah that was really i mean i i enjoyed it not knowing that yeah so knowing that i probably would have enjoyed it more that's i'm sorry i was looking about this tr- yeah the pilot died oh okay this yeah it's fucking gnarly Super gnarly, right? I would not wrestle, period. And I definitely would not wrestle if I had been in a plane crash and had to get my shit repaired. You should see the way that Ric Flair looked before that plane crash, too. Like, he was, like, a big, like, muscular hunk. Like, big muscles. Um, Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. Like, 
pretty, pretty wild, like, the difference between... He's a wide man. Yeah, like, a huge man. And you would never guess that looking at him for, like, the rest of his career after that. Yeah. He looked... This is this is not as good a look on him, I think. This, no, the yeah. eventual Nature Boy look. Right? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Wow, he's so wide. <laughs> he's like a barrel with bleach-bound hair. It's not a bad look. It's not a good look. Yeah. Um, I mean, the ones where he has the long bleach blonde hair are definitely better than the short hair. Yeah. Which was not good. Yeah. Yeah, no. I really so. enjoyed this audience also. Yeah, right? Like, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is quarantine brain, but it's really, really nice to hear an audience <laughs> attached yeah. to wrestling. And they seem so, like, they seem like they're having a really good time. Yeah, like, a super good time. Um, This is, like, one of those things, too, where, like, I think that the subtitle of this show is, like, New York Knockout or something. Like, it's in upstate New York. Yeah. Um, Which is, like, not very many people's idea of, like, a wrestling hotbed. Um, And also, like, not very many people's idea of a hotbed for, like, southern company like WCW. Right. Um, but man, they are in it, like, from before the bell. Like, they're doing that, like, we are the champions, like, hand-clapped foot-stomp thing. Like, it's like, they're they're nuts for it. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I don't know. I wonder. Because my dad, when did my dad move to, El- to California? Because my dad was in New York City. My dad was a secret wrestling fan from 1960 until he found out I got into wrestling in 2016. Uh-huh. So my dad was secretly watching wrestling for my entire childhood. Yeah. And most of adulthood. But he Rick Flair's like like Rick Flair and Mick Foley are his two like all-time guys. Which is weird for somebody from New York. So I'm assuming people like there were people in New York who were really into WCW. Yeah, I mean, like, it was, like, a, a nationally broadcast thing. Like, this yeah. match was on free TV. Okay. Um, so, it was, maybe, yeah. like, they were all just on the same page as my dad. Yeah, maybe. Just um, really into Ric Flair. In what was... Is it weird that your dad liked Ric Flair, or is it weird that he liked Mick Foley? Both are very weird. What's weird about Mick Foley? <laughs> my dad is a man who stopped watching boxing because it was too violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, stop watching football because it was too violent. He can't I can see where watch. This is going. He stopped watching Star Trek at the Next Generation because it got too scary. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't. I don't. What? I don't. How did he be? How was he a Mick Foley? Uh, first do, of all, yeah. Ric Flair also. A lot yeah. of blood. Yeah, a lot of um, blood. Mick Foley? Really, Dad? You're afraid of the Klingon makeup in the <laughs> next generation? <laughs> <laughs> but you can watch this man just destroy his body and be like, that's a genius. Yeah. That's my guy. Those and yeah, are he fake. is a genius. But it's like for, for real body, dis- real bodily destruction. Uh-huh. If someone's just charismatic enough, it's fine. Dad, <laughs> who are you? 
my dad sits in his office watching old Perry, like old Perry Mason episodes and playing online backgammon. That's his, what he loves. He sounds like a stand-up dude. I, this is, it, that is, that is, it, I still don't get it. I still don't understand how, maybe it's like the wild energy that my dad has never had and will never have. I just love the idea of him like, you know, I can't watch Klingon stuff, but secretly <laughs> I'm going to watch this man fall off a 16-foot cage. Right? <laughs> And, and never okay. tell anyone about no. it. <laughs> so do y'all talk about wrestling now? Yeah. Okay. That's like what mended my relationship with my dad during the 2016 election when he was convinced that uh, when my still with her dad uh, was very upset about my support of Bernie Sanders. <laughs> we connected over Chris Jericho. It was beautiful. Okay. Uh, yeah. Pain maker, healing, healing relationships. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm still like I'm awestruck at the like concept of this like this man, who I have known my whole life, literally being a secret wrestling fan from the time <laughs> his grandpa took him to see you know Bruno Sammartino when he was five. Yeah. Until. He was well into middle age. Maybe and he was I just conditioned for it. Like, Bruno San Martino bled a lot. Okay. That could be it. He was in a lot of cage matches. That could be it. Bruno yeah. may be the, the source here. God, oh, Damn. I'm, like, we're way off the beaten path. I am always pretty jealous of people who, like... Got to do stuff like see super famous wrestlers and like the venue that they were really associated with. That always sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, but oh, my dad really hated his grandpa, so no. it bounced out. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I think it was pretty fun though, because he was a lifelong secret. He is now a lifelong secret fan. So yeah, yeah, it was probably pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'm also very jealous. Yeah, that's an amazing. It's like story. it's. It still pains me that like I was in Los Angeles, didn't know about wrestling, and could have been like you know taking the bus from school to the like Los Feliz uh, Jewish Community Center to see Samoa Joe. Is that where and, Samoa Joe was wrestling? Yeah, he wrestled at the uh, Los Feliz JCC a few times. Huh. Yeah, it kills me. And, you know, like 2005 or whatever, like that year that he had that was the best year of ever. I don't know. Man, all Pretty bad my... year, I think, for most things, but. Yeah, but for Samoa Joe. For Samoa Joe. <laughs> it was a real <laughs> good <JCC>. one. <laughs> Where, uh, yeah. No, I could have taken the fucking bus from school. I could have taken one bus from my high school. Yeah. To see Samoa Joe, and I didn't know about it. That kills me. I feel like all of my, like, I saw wrestling as a child stories sound fake. Like, okay. I saw Hulk Hogan and Sting wrestle in a cage. No one believes me that that happened, but it fucking happened. Uh, and it happened because Kevin Nash no-showed a show in his own hometown. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the substitute for hometown boy Big Sexy <laughs> no-showing. <laughs> the Were you Palace disappointed of you didn't Hills. get to see Big Sexy? I was super disappointed. Kevin Nash has always been one of my favorite wrestlers, but I, you know, it was like, uh, like late 
it's like late 97 late 98 maybe so like it was still oh it was 98 because like one of the matches was raven versus diamond dallas page versus chris benoit um and i remember chris benoit got hit in the head super hard with an artist's easel for some weird reason um so you know that's a that's the thing you would remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, because it's weird for one, and then for two, like you know, later events, dot dot dot, um, yeah, made that stand out a little bit more. But okay. yeah, Hogan, an Hogan versus, easel, huh? yeah, um, yeah, an artist easel, really weird. Um, Hogan versus Sting in a cage. Uh, I was at the show where Kane and Triple H had a casket match over the memory of Dead Lady Katie Vick. Um, which was the last wrestling show that I watched from, like, that day to, like, I don't know, randomly stumbling into a Buffalo Wild Wings while John Cena was wrestling, uh, Great Khali. (laughs) 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 Which is why I love wrestling again. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At a Buffalo Wild Wings. At a Buffalo Wild Wings, yeah, it was just me and a bunch of friends going to Buffalo Wild Wings and it happened to be a Sunday night that wrestling was on. Damn. The great Kali they- brought me back. <laughs> well, thank you for I mean, your service. Seriously, going to a Buffalo Wild Wings and seeing a restaurant full of adults boo John Cena was one of the most surreal moments of my life. <laughs> that sounds incredible, actually. Yeah. That would have brought me back, too, if I'd been if I'd lapsed. Yeah, it's like, oh, man, people really hate this guy. He must be incredible. I was right. I was right. Truth from day one, me and John Cena. Um, yeah, I would have. I would have killed to see Bruno San Martino, or like for that matter, like I saw Ric Flair, like, but it was like the late '90s, um, and he was old. Um, and like that's not a bad thing. I love old men who wrestle, but like the Ric Flair that I saw in like 1997, and the Ric Flair that you could see in like 1989, which is still like that's not his prime anymore. Like he's a little bit yeah. past it. Um, like a couple years, sorry. Oh no, I was saying, just to say still somebody I would want to see. Oh yeah, absolutely. But like the, the weirdest thing is, is like you, you think about this, um, this is really close to the time when like Ric Flair, um, is going to leave WCW, like the company that he has known in some way, shape or form for the majority of his career. Like he's about to leave it for the WWF in, I think a year or two, two years, um, because WCW kept doing this thing. We talked a little bit about um, the rule changes in um, in the regular fan fight podcast that WCW did, but one of the other people that they brought in to be the head of WCW thought that Ric Flair couldn't draw anymore and wanted to, like, demote him down the card and also wanted to give him the gimmick of being the Roman gladiator Spartacus. <laughs> um, so, so some people just I didn't mean, get it. Re- the... That's, I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah, it's pretty Were great. Were they going right? to do like an I am Spartacus thing with that? Was that I, like the eventual goal? Ric Flair quit before anything happened. Um, so I, I don't know, but um, I, I, I truly hope so. Like I could imagine him like doing the, the monologues from that movie <laughs> in the context of wrestling. <laughs> It would never work. Like, how could you do... Like, it's Ric Flair. He's, like, won the world title, like... I don't know. This is, like, 12 times at that point. Like, at least nine. 
how are you going to change his name and expect people to go with it? Like, <laughs> you're going to take him out of his robe and dress him up in, like, a little gladiator costume? Would he still have the babes just be Roman babes? Oh, that'd be so good. Like, that'd sequin be... Roman outfits? This is what I want now. This is like... <laughs> Oh, this is like if WrestleMania 9 didn't suck. Ric Flair with a bunch of Roman babes. Oh, this is this is money. I mean, they actually did do Roman babes at one of the at that WrestleMania with Triple H. He got Roman babes. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. I thought that he was more like the Skull King or something. Yeah, but it was like a vaguely it was like Xena Roman, you know, yeah. like just kind of ancient. Yeah. Something. And all of those babes went on to start the women's revolution. <laughs> God, I forgot that was them. <laughs> Much respect to Triple H for starting that wave. Oh, with his biker throne. <laughs> what a guy. Um, but God. this, like, I actually want to... You mentioning Sting reminded me that Sting shows up after this match. Mm-hmm. Although all these people run in and, like, just kind of brawl okay. for some reason. Yeah, the the version that I watched ended a little bit earlier, but I've seen this okay. enough times that I know. Like after this, like super climactic moment where like Flair and Funk shake hands, right? Which is um, beautiful. It's yeah, it's a very short handshake. Also, it's like they barely touch hands. Yeah, it's like that but athlete handshake. Um, but like the the thing the thing that's going on all around this is that Gary Hart, the manager at Ringside, um, is a businessman. And he has a lot of connections uh, in what wrestling of that time would have called the Orient, um, which is okay. unfortunate. Uh, and I think that his stable was called the JTEX Corporation, which was like short for Japan, Texas. Gary Hart's a Texan. Terry okay. Funk's a Texan. I was like, um, oh, are they doing textiles? Like, are we <laughs> like that's so interesting? Just Terry Funk <laughs> weaving. <laughs> um, I mean, like. I mean, after I lived in Orange County, I moved to LA and had like a lot of like friends who had family working in the fa- in the fabric industry. So I'm like, oh yeah, that's like a really like there's a lot of drama in that world. That'd be a great place to. Is there really? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's the same as any business. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Any business world has drama and family drama. Um, but in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, textiles, <laughs> of course. Terry Funk and the Great Muda. <laughs> Muda's like dying the wool with this. <laughs> With his mist. <laughs> I'd be Doing like that. a mist blood tie-dye. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. That's <laughs> like <laughs> the least quarantine-friendly process. We should watch some Muda also. Oh, we will watch some Muda for sure. Um, it probably won't be WCW Muda unless we watch his stuff with Arn Anderson. But um, yeah, like the the end of this match is like largely like... Terry Funk is not going to be Ric Flair's concern anymore. Like, from here, he kind of gets, like, pushed out into being sort of, like, an interviewer more than anything else. Um, and for a couple of years, he, like, kind of wanders in the wilderness and starts doing stuff with ECW before he's brought back into WCW in, like, 1994 for um, a feud with uh, Dustin Rhodes, um, which turns into a feud with Dusty Rhodes... Dustin Rhodes and the and the Nasty Boys, which is really great, and we might cover that at some yeah. point. Um, but Gary Hart has other charges. Uh, great Muda is one of them, uh, and he's gonna be the next challenger for Sting. 
What I don't remember off the top of my head is whether or not Ric Flair is currently involved in the version of the Four Horsemen that has Sting in it, like the face version of the Four Horsemen. Um, but essentially, the Great Muda is being built up as a as a rival for Sting, uh, and the other guy who's there, the Dragon Master, is just kind of there. Um, but yeah, like that'll lead to something called the Thunder Cage match, which is like an early attempt at a Hell in a Cell. Got it. It's okay. It's not super great. Um, and honestly, like if there was one thing that I would say is like dogging this match a little bit, it's that it doesn't let the moment between Flair and Funk like sit there. Yeah. Um, like I, I wish like the way that it ends for me is just them shaking hands and Ric Flair being like, all right, or whatever the hell he does. Um, and that feels so much better. Like it's like a clean finish to a seriously heated issue. Um, it writes Terry Funk off as somebody who is a great competitor who is able to admit when he's wrong. And it, you know, puts Ric Flair over as a sportsman. Um, and it would be nice to go home on that note. But since you, since you saw that version, like, what did you think of that as like, I mean, partially because I hadn't seen the rest of the feud. So Mm -hmm. this, uh, this feud lasted for me 24 minutes Mm -hmm. and not like however long it actually lasted. I didn't have as much invested in it, um, to have needed, like, also, I didn't know that Terry Funk was relegated to interviewer after this, which is kind of a bummer. Because, like, it does end on, like, a very, like, one of the few acceptable both these guys notes yeah. to me. Yeah, A chant I am generally against. But, like, after a match, if you do have shit like this, then you can, I think, I, I feel like, you know. I'm glad this crowd didn't because they were a 1989 upstate New York <laughs> WCW crowd, but like in a like a smart ass crowd, I would accept them chanting both these guys at the end of that match. Um, so yeah, I didn't feel again. I didn't have as much invested in it, so I didn't feel the need to have it last so long. And again, I haven't seen when this happened. I was uh, I can do basic subtraction. For sure, <laughs> that I was four months old. Uh, I've never, I've never watched any like WCW from nineteen eighty nine. I have no investment in this like moment, right? In wrestling, so it's just like interesting to me to be like, oh wow, these guys are here. That's cool. <laughs> was more my response. <laughs> yeah, like how yeah. fun. Yeah. And, oh, like... it's Kaiji Muto. I've seen his dick because he posted <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, it's really <laughs> that was my vibe. Um, I mean, like, I, like... I, I, I definitely get that. That's how I felt about a lot of the stuff too. Like, um, yeah, the project of watching television from that time is something that you only undertake if you're truly insane or really bored. Um, I mean, both. It's quarantine. Yeah, we're both. <laughs> it's both. Um, so like, it's it's one of those things where like I've seen some of it around it, or like you know I'll look for. Ric Flair or Terry Funk promos from that time. Um, and I do think that the angle between the two, which I think happened after a Flair and Steamboat match, mm-hmm. um, like one of like the Flair and Steamboat matches. Yeah. So I guess um, I have seen some, I have seen some WCW from this, this yeah. moment. Cause I've yeah, seen for those. sure. Um, but yeah, like that kind of thing where it's like, Oh, like I don't really know what's going on. So like, uh, that's, that's uh, whatever. Like I, like, I, I, I think that, 
the fact that you're able to make meaning from it at all is good for that match. Um, yeah. I mean, again, it's just like, it's interesting to see like, oh, these guys are here. So yeah. it's like, I, I do know the great, I like, I, I do know more about the great Muta than like his, than Kaiji Muto's current Twitter presence. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, I'm a, I, I am somewhat qualified for my job. <laughs> a little bit qualified. Um, but it, you know, like just like a reminder of context of like, okay, these guys are all here and this is what they're up to. And this is what WCW is like at this moment. Yeah. Was actually kind of helpful for me. Okay. Um, I can definitely keep that in mind going forward. But yeah, like the the thing, and I don't know how well this comes across in the actual match, but like Gary Hart in particular has a reputation as being one of like the best managers in the history of wrestling. Um, it's just that like he doesn't have a lot of camera time in big leagues like WCW or WWE. Like, he's he's mm-hmm. a pretty prominent figure, but, like, most of his stuff happened in um, world-class championship wrestling in Texas, where he was, like, one of the primary antagonists of the Von Erich family. Um, okay. I've definitely seen, like, pictures of him when I was looking up pictures of people. Yeah. So, like, his, I've seen him around a lot. Yeah. And, like, his promos are great. Like, his okay. his presence at ringside is really good. Like... I would say, like, so far as, like, a modern kind of analog is concerned, like, the closest person to him uh, is, like, the Paul Heyman of, like, the last 10 years. Um, That kind of, like, you know, ringside advocate guy who's clearly far smarter about wrestling than his actual in-ring experience would lit on. Right. Um, I mean, he has a branding iron, so I assume he's pretty serious. Is that, like, a Texas thing? That's a Terry Funk thing. Um, oh, it's a Terry Funk thing. Terry Funk yeah. had a branding iron? Terry Funk has a branding iron that has been set on fire and pressed into people's skin before, namely Mick Foley's. Um, yeah, like, Terry Funk had a branding iron, uh, as one does. Okay. Sometimes it was on fire, sometimes it was just a weapon. I think he hit Hulk Hogan with it one time, and then Hulk Hogan was like, uh, I'm Hulk Hogan, and that was it. What, the Hulk Hogan no-sold a branding iron on it, fire? It wasn't on fire, it was the WBF. Oh. Um, but in like Piece other places shit. it was on fire. ECW it was on fire a lot. Yeah, that makes sense, it would be on fire in ECW. Yeah, there's some, you know, there's some crazy shit in ECW. <laughs> I actually really, I haven't seen any ECW. Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) I I cannot wait. I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) choose to ask you to watch, but I'm sure it'll be terrible. (laughs) Uh, I'm definitely going to, I have to get some of my own, like, my own little favorites in here. Absolutely, please, yeah. Which will be 100%. Japanese women's wrestling from between 1984 and 1998. Cool. Which is the only, like, wrestling that has been on tape that I have any familiarity with. It's the only good wrestling. That's not the only good wrestling. (laughs) Pretty close. It's no It's the only cool wrestling, I would say. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Like, if I'm hanging out with friends who are not wrestling fans, and we're watching YouTube... And I get, you know, I log on the Wi-Fi and I can put something in the queue. I'm putting in some, like, weird Bull Nakano shit because I know it's going to go over well. I just play exploding ring matches. (laughs) (laughs) Those tend to work. 
That's fair. Yeah. That's what I think the like the transition from the Bon Appetit text test kitchen to exploding ring matches <laughs> might be a little dramatic. <laughs> but maybe if we're doing like, uh, you know, the knife guy on YouTube who makes yes. knives out of different stuff. Yeah, if we're doing yeah. knife guy, then that could maybe be good. There you knife go. guy to exploding yeah. ring. Love that guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. I think that's about like if I have anything else to say about this match. Oh, there was this one line that whoever was on commentary said that was, mm-hmm. I know it's disqual it's no disqualification, <laughs> but yes. he's gotta have a little compassion. <laughs> it's it was- like I've never heard anyone say anything like that before on commentary, and I loved that. Alright, first of all, that was Jim Ross. <laughs> No, that was Jim Ross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did he like change his voice? Jim Ross he has went to WWF. Uh, Jim Ross has had several accident? bouts of Bell's palsy, and that's what okay. happened to his voice. Got um, it. So this is like Jim Ross at like his his young and vibrant like self, completely unrecognizable from even like early. Well, no, I guess in like '90s WWE he would have been sounding pretty much like this, but like. From, like, 95 on or whenever his first attack of Bell's Palsy was. Like, he sounded okay. different for obvious reasons. Um, that makes sense. That that call, though, is so funny because essentially what happened is Terry Funk just doinked him on the head with the microphone. <laughs> like, it was nothing <laughs> compared to any... It sells it so well, <laughs> it though. It really does. Yeah, and the other guy, Gordon Soley, who's, like... like a lot of people consider Jim Ross to be the best of all time. And then there's like a couple of other people who were up there with him. Um, uh, Lance Russell in Memphis is like a really big one for me. Like Lance would be the best, but Gordon Soley is a lot of people's pick for the best. He's the other guy there with like kind of the nasally voice. Mm-hmm. Um, where he's like, nah, I guess he doesn't have to is like so funny to me. <laughs> it's a really good exchange. It's yeah. like a really good piece of commentary that I've never heard anybody say anything like that before yeah they really work well together an expectation of decency (laughs) is not something i'm used to in wrestling and i really enjoyed no i also just love the conceit of expecting decency in a match called i quit (laughs) right (laughs) i know there's no rules and that these men could literally murder each other right now but you would hope let's not not doink each other on the head with the microphone (laughs) microphone. (laughs) what about compassion really good terry funk has none no compassion just dickheadery god bastardness and the way that he sells the figure four at the end of the match oh my god i thought like his i thought his legs were gonna fall off like (laughs) i thought he was just gonna explode like he i've rarely looked at that and thought like so i sleep with my legs in a figure four position for some fucking reason yeah and have slept that way since i don't know a long time that's just how i sleep um, so it's, I've, I've a very hard time buying the figure four as like a painful hold, <laughs> even though like I see the, like I see the points of pressure and I'm like, I toss and turn in my sleep. Yeah. I have gotten my figure four legs in some pretty like uncomfortable positions that can't hurt that much. This was like one of the <laughs> only times where I've been like, that looks terrible. We need to get him out. <laughs> Everybody needs his legs. Like both, both times, like the time when Ric Flair is like trying to put him in it, but Funk fights out. Like, that's, like, the most convincing that's ever looked in, yeah. in like, the history of wrestling. Okay, um, it wasn't just me and my weird... Well, no, the figure, figure four, four hurts leg. like a son of a bitch. 
like if if it's put on right like okay yeah you're talking about like essentially bending someone's like bone over another bone um it's pressure like pressure is what makes it hurt not sleep but i'm a pretty violent sleeper i don't know <laughs> like i have woken myself up before because i've like twisted my own legs into an uncomfortable thing and like felt the pressure of my bone on my other bone how has there not been a wrestling gimmick <laughs> where someone is like <laughs> extremely proficient at professional wrestling but only while they're asleep <laughs> they're, they're there a violent be. sleeper <laughs> has to have been like some i don't dumbass think there has somewhere been. Has done it oh right? maybe someone somewhere yeah that's all, i mean but how has this not been a gimmick on raw for like three months oh we sh- we've always spoken into existence so fucking i don't know who are they gonna give it to hmm i don't watch like the best thing about being an, an editor now is i don't watch wwe at all I don't watch I'm anything trying, I don't want to watch. It's they amazing. should give it to Alistair Black. Who I'm sure people like, but based on the four matches of his I've seen, I don't know why. So him being asleep during those matches would be pretty great. Oh, he's pretty good. Is I don't he? Know. He he's had like, like a really good match with Cesaro at some pay-per-view. Mm, he had a really once. good match with one of the best wrestlers. <laughs> and does kicks <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's dutch i don't know i find like i just but i i just like he's dutch he's weird i don't know i hear that he was really good on the indies but that's i mean his name was tommy and tommy though. yeah like i'm not watching no matches by anyone named tommy except tommy dreamer the, i could watch somebody named tommy but not tommy and it's a weird fucking name that is a weird name so is alistair black Sounds like an Ozzy Osbourne character. <laughs> well, it's like he's uh, he's the Satanist babyface. Yeah, but if you put him to sleep, though, like, if it were, like, the reverse of, like, 1970s, like, oh, you you literally got put to sleep in the sleeper hold, where, like, maybe his manager puts him to sleep and then snaps his fingers and he's awake and he's, like, a so super killer. So he's, like, killer. in a hypnotic trance? Yeah. Yeah. I think that I've just created... <sighs> Alistair Black world champion. I mean, it's better than those. Did you ever see any of those promos he was doing where he was in that room? No. Oh, I need to send you those videos. They're very funny. <laughs> I saw him wrestle he, like, Bobby Lashley. Uh, he does like a... He's like a human forum signature. <laughs> uh-huh. So he's just, like, him in this dark room talking to the camera about, like, using these really big words and... Not really big words. Using these wrestling really big words in ways that don't exactly make sense. It's like, you think you can assume the content of my persona. But you'll never really, truly know the real me until you've seen the tragedy of my character or something. <laughs> like, it's incredible. It's some of the funny... It's, like, one of the funniest things I've seen on WWE in a long time. <laughs> that sounds... That sounds amazing. They should just have him go back to that. 
It was so fucking funny. No, they had to have him wrestle and stuff. Ugh. Who wants to wrestle? I mean, I like wrestling, but I also like really corny, dumb bullshit. That's what I love the most. (laughs) It's corny, dumb bullshit. I love corny, dumb bullshit. I love beefy dudes who can't wrestle trying to. And I love shit like this. And that's it. Your boy Lex Luger shows up at the end of this match, too. Yeah, he does. The total package. really wet. (laughs) (laughs) And he breaks a trophy. (laughs) With a chair. That's because Lex Luger's really mean in 1989. (laughs) I don't really understand why, but he just was really wet and angry. Like, he'd just been, like, born and was pissed about it. Yeah. He what was if just somebody was born looking like Lex Luger. I think most people are born wet and angry. <laughs> yeah, I know, but like I'm muscular and like very little trunks. No. Not wet and angry. That's why I compared him to being born, because people are born wet and angry. Just a tiny Lex Luger comes out. Yeah, that'd be fucking cool, right? <laughs> I'd be psyched. I don't know. That's what I assume it's like. Some weird little monster comes out of you and, like, wrecks all your shit (laughs) with a steel chair. It'd be cool if they had, like, muscles and a weird face. Yeah. That would make the process of giving birth much less horrific. I think it, I mean, I think equal, equally horrific. God, well, I think this has been a very successful first episode of Fanfight VCR. I don't know about you. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, I don't know if where we can really go from go to from Lex Luger giving birth to Lex Luger fully grown. <laughs> or tiny, but adult Lex Luger. Like a little, like a living action figure. Would he have his theme song? What is his theme song? Oh, it's good. I'll send it to you. Okay, cool. Well, that does it for us this time. If you like this, please rate it. I'm sorry, I just have this like little Lex Luger in my head while I'm trying to read this normal ass outro. It's a very, you know, interesting juxtaposition. Ah, just weird, wet little man made of muscles. If you liked this, if you liked little wet muscular Lex Luger in the delivery room. Just wrecking shit because it's 1989. He's bad. Uh, please rate and review the show on whatever you're listening to. I, you know, just write wet Lex Luger and give us five stars. <laughs> if you have questions, comments, concerns, criticisms, anything, please write us an email podcast at fanbyte.com. Say fanfight VCR in the subject. I'll get it. Maybe like. You can send us stuff and we can read it and it'll be great. Uh, you can read all of our wrestling coverage at fanbite.com slash wrestling. Fanbite.com without the wrestling has all kinds of good stuff that is helpful to the world's movie reviews, Animal Crossing, video game guides, all kinds of good shit. Um, we have a million podcasts on like three different feeds. Check all of them out. This feed has Fanfight, which is me and Danielle Rando talking about MMA and pro wrestling. There's Sports Middle, where they talk about sports. There's uh, also another Animal Crossing podcast on like a different Fanbite feed. We've got so much stuff. Check it all out. Colette, where can people find you? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Colette Arend. Cool. You can find me on Twitter, probably talking about like how much I hate ghosts that are flappers or the mid 2000s supernatural drama Dante's Cove, uh, which is all I'm going to be talking about for the rest of the week uh, at Hunk Tears. Thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Bye.